Thanks to all of you. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. Busy edition, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this program. Uh, Well, this is a little alarming, to say the least. Pfizer CEO saying a third COVID vaccine dose will now likely be needed within 12 months. According to Pfizer CEO, that uh, it'll be likely we need a, a booster dose of COVID-19's vaccine within 12 months of getting fully vaccinated. He also said it's possible people will need to get vaccinated against the virus annually. Said it's extremely important to suppress the pool of people that can be susceptible to the virus and added vaccines will be an important tool. Um, I, 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 I didn't think that was going to happen. Would have been nice if we knew ahead of time, people knew ahead of time so they could make a full analysis of things. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, is it? Tennessee is uh, their Senate has passed a bill that would ban vaccine passports. Um, we'll try and get all of this in today. And New Gingrich and Stephen Miller on uh, a new organization to fight back legally in the court system against this radical socialist agenda of Biden, etc., Uh, The biggest issue of the day is obviously what the Democrats now plan to do with the courts. And that is now they have pushed forward this idea of court packing, just like they're advancing the idea of D.C. statehood. Puerto Rico will soon follow, just like they are advancing the rest of their radical Green New Deal agenda. But they're calling it all infrastructure and covid emergency relief. That's a blue state bailout. That is uh, every, how much money do you call infrastructure? Child care is infrastructure. Pre-K is infrastructure. The environment is infrastructure. No, it's not. None of it's infrastructure. And we'll use reconciliation to ram all of this down people's throat. Then we'll get rid of the legislative filibuster. And, you know, House Judiciary uh, GOP reported Nadler writing legislation to expand the court. And this whole, I want my feeling, it's probably this whole commission of Joe Biden, it's all stacked. It's a predetermined outcome. Pelosi said, well, she's not going to bring the bill up yet. She supports Joe's idea of a commission. Do we really have a doubt what the outcome of the commission is going to be? It's going to be, uh, yeah, 13 is a good number. That's what I would anticipate. Joe Biden had a very different view on this years ago. Called it a boneheaded idea. Listen. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. And it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Does that not tell you everything that you need to know? Democrats over the years, you know, now what they're saying today is, oh, yeah, no, it's a good idea. We need to do this. All of this combined, and they'd like to get rid of the Electoral College if they could, too. That's part of the agenda. Now there's never-ending propaganda and lies. Now we know through Project Veritas, we've been showing you the tapes all week on TV, and we had James O'Keefe on this program two days ago, that, you know, exactly how it's nothing but a propaganda arm, everything we've been telling you about them. 
Um, we are awaiting the release this hour of Chicago police body cam footage that captured the fatal police shooting of a young 13-year-old man by the name of Adam Toledo. Um, and uh, if, if social media is any indication, there's a lot of chatter today about possible unrest. I hope it doesn't happen, but with Chicago's track record every weekend... I, you know, I, I guess you'd have to go with the odds, considering there are dozens and dozens of shootings and killings every weekend in Chicago, that uh, this might not be particularly good. I don't I'll give you the circumstances of that case in a second. Now, you know, we're, we're watching Minnesota is not isolated here. And in case you're interested, if if numbers matter to you and lives matter to you, and I know they do to this audience, you know, this defund the police effort, we've gone through all the statistics earlier this week about all these big cities, many of which, interestingly, have minor, a majority minority police departments. But this whole defund the police effort, well, you can look at Minneapolis as a case in point. Uh, since George Floyd's death, for example, the murder rate in Minneapolis has skyrocketed 64 percent. Uh and by the way, many, most of the, the victims in Minneapolis happen to be minorities. This is unfortunate. There are fellow American citizens. You see every weekend, every name, every person, Biden, Obama, they never lifted a finger to help bring back law and order to keep every citizen safe and secure in Chicago. It's been going on for years and years and years, all under Democratic rule. Yeah, but you have now 64% increase in the murder rate in, in Minneapolis uh, and murders up again, 64% according to the legal law enforcement, legal defense fund Fort said in 10 major cities where cops were sharply criticized, police activity dropped 48% since June of 2020 murders rose 56%. Louisville, Kentucky is an example. Police stops down 35% homicide soaring 87%. Los Angeles arrests down 33% homicides up 51%. Nationally murders have jumped by 25%. The highest point since 1995. I think that's when Joe Biden was talking about predators. Uh, and the crime bill back in the day. Um, now, what we see in Minnesota every night is not isolated to just there. We see in, in Portland, Oregon, we saw demonstrators light a, a police union building on fire. In Seattle, multiple individuals were arrested for vandalism. We've seen looting and rioting and going on in Minneapolis as well. Recently, New York, even the Democratic Mayoral candidate Andrew Yang was aggressively chased away from a Dante Wright protest because he wasn't anti-police enough for that crowd. Washington, D.C., we played it last night. We'll play it later today. Protesters chanting every city, every town burden the precinct to the ground. What's the precinct? Police precincts. We've seen the video about how NYPD officers are being treated in squad cars Toys with of pigs' faces. We had a guy on TV last night had a, a, I don't know, some type of pig that he's holding up. And, you know, keep in mind, the officer that shot Dante Wright, I know the media is creating expectations. That now the, the police officer has been charged. Second-degree manslaughter. There will be a full investigation. 
One thing Joe Biden finally got right. Maybe he's rushed to judgment just too many times in his career and that the officer deserves due process. And this we need a full investigation. We know that the police claim the the former police officer now Potter, 25 year veteran, that this was an accidental discharge. Police chief said the same thing. Now, former police chief, you we've now played the body cam footage. You see. You can hear Officer Potter clearly. You know, uh, I'll I'll taser you. I'll taser you. Taser, taser, taser. You can hear the surprise in Officer's Potter in Officer Potter's voice. I just I just shot him, like I meant to taser him. Now, a jury will probably make that determination. But anyway, in the meantime, you know, this whole thing started in case you didn't know the background of it. Dante Wright was resisting arrest, attempting to flee the scene in his motor vehicle. Uh, He had an arrest warrant after charges of choking and robbing a woman at gunpoint. We now know that the police officers, including Officer Potter, knew that at the time. Is now a full-scale investigation, and the charges have been made. On top of that, Officer's Potter, Officer Potter's home address was leaked to the public. That forced law enforcement to erect a massive fence, and they have to now guard that property. You see what the politicians are doing. They're trying to score cheap political points, the defund and get rid of the police left-wing crowd in Washington. Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez calling for the police to be abolished saying the law enforcement is an indefensible system that rewards violence with impunity and money. Fellow squad uh, member Congresswoman Omar, that the violence is a basic part of police interactions with minorities. Congresswoman Tlaib, writing that the American policing is inherently intentionally racist, called for there to be, quote, no more policing, no more incarceration, no more militarization. It cannot be reformed. Now, How do we think this is going to end here? I haven't heard anyone talk about this, you know, getting rid of the Capitol Police, nor should they. You need the police. This is a dangerous world. There are bad people in the world. There are bad actors on the world stage. There are bad people in every town and every city, unfortunately. The story of the human existence. You know, how do you get away with just saying the most insane, ridiculous things? Well, I guess you have fake news CNN to back you up. Now, we expect probably any moment now that Chicago is bracing for this body cam footage. So by every account, a a tragedy that happened there. It's the Chicago Civilian Office of Police Accountability. This is on MSN.com. They'll be releasing the body cam footage this hour. We expect it. From the fatal shooting of 13-year-old Adam Toledo. This happened last month. Anyway, uh, the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, lightweight as we call her. She does nothing to prevent the violence every weekend that takes place in Chicago. Deadfish Emanuel did nothing either. Anyway, she held a press conference earlier today. Joint statement, the mayor's office, the attorneys for Adam's family said they met. Both parties agree all materials should be released, including... A slowed down compilation of the events that resulted in this 13 year old's death. A teenager was shot. Again, I'm reading from MSN.com and killed early on March 29th. Officers responding to a shots fired call 
on the west side of Chicago. Uh, Two males in a nearby alley, according to police. One of them was armed, according to police, and ran away. One officer opened fire and hitting the one person in the chest who happened to be the 13-year-old. Quote, we acknowledge the release of this video is the first step in the process towards the healing of the family, the community, and our city in a joint statement. We understand the release of the video will be incredibly painful and elicit an emotional response to all who view it. We ask people express themselves peacefully. The body's family saw the video uh, Tuesday of this week and asked that the video and other evidence not be immediately released to the public, according to a statement from the police department and the the Chicago Civilian Officer Police Accountability Board. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I, what happens, I don't know. How will some people react? I can't possibly predict. What James was showing me on social media from earlier today was not something I like reading. All right, so waiting what this uh, Chicago police body cam footage will uh, look like. Um, all around the country, though, we've been seeing a lot of unrest. I know Democrats don't like to call it that. And now the bigger push to totally eliminate police departments. It's beyond defunding. There'll be no police if some of the squad members have their way. Uh, We see instances, fake news. CNN had a crew chased away by Minnesota rioters after a crew member hit in the head with a water bottle. I don't think it was thrown by anybody at fake news CNN. But anyway, um, one interesting thing in New York, just a surprise, disillusioned uh, by how the Democrats handled uh, COVID, they're dumping New York City residents are dumping the Democratic Party and moving to the Republican Party. Does it mean anything? Probably not in the long run, my guess. Um, we have four suspected MS-13 gang members stopped after New York City police see them lugging a blanket wrap, wrapped body to a car. Good grief. Um, and, it's, you know, things are just very, very tense around the country. And the rhetoric of the left is not helping. Calls to eliminate the police are not helping. Efforts to defund the police are not helping. Is there that 1%? Yeah, I kept saying, yeah, the deep state, 1% that abused their power and were corrupt. The police union chief in uh, Minnesota, the head of their largest union, police union there, slamming local officials over the handling of Dante Wright's police shooting death, saying saying that the 20-year-old set off a chain of events by resisting, resisting or not, if you meant to use a taser, you should use the taser. Was there, a, was there an imminent threat of bodily harm or death? That would be the question of whether or not a firearm should be used, but that's going to be for a jury to ultimately decide. Um, and the last incident, even though cops knew it, they, that means they should be more careful and they were trying to be, as they tried to make the arrest. Probably won't hear this anywhere else in the media. Sadly, a Texas police officer shot multiple times yesterday morning during a, quote, routine traffic stop. No such thing as a routine traffic stop. And uh, the officer's name is Jerry Don Elders, 39 years old. And um, it's sad. Well, anyway, no, that's the person that made the shot. I'll continue. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SHAWN. I'm watching the video of this uh, shooting that took place. Uh, it's It looks like a hospital scene. Uh, 
Linda, have you taken a look at this whole thing yet? I'm reviewing it now, yeah. Yeah, when you get... But I've read the whole article. I mean, basically, the guy was armed, had a gun on his possession. He was found on a park bench, brought into this hospital, and he had a warrant out for his arrest. In the hospital, had the gun. Yeah, in the hospital, had the gun. The officers tried to tase him, told him to put his hands up, the whole thing. I watched the tasing. I saw that. He did not comply. It looked like the officer's gun jammed, too. And he also shot fired, uh, had fire, uh, shots fired at the police. So, yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, so they're dispatched. Anyway, the video shows uh, uh, Jackson's gunfire. And police said the bullet visibly left Jackson's pocket. And anyway, you see the struggle to disarm him. And uh, then you see one of the officers firing his gun, but it malfunctioned. Initial shots were fired. Jackson's down on the ground. Officers pointing guns at him and then ordered to put his hands in the air several dozen times over the course of the next five minutes. Jackson telling officers that he was leaning on the gun at one point. A taser eventually used uh, again on him after the taser was fired. A gun was fired, followed by a series of gunshots. Officers had then heard calling for medics to assist Jackson. An initial investigation. I mean, just a Wow. Uh, this is very graphic. We'll show people on TV tonight. And, you know, we'll see how this is received by people, too. Oh, I mean, it gets very complicated in a situation. It's armed. It was very hostile. Uh, the police, if you look at the beginning, they were trying, speaking very politely, very accommodating, um, as this person needed medical help. But um, I haven't had time to watch the whole thing, so I don't want to go any further. There was a police officer that was shot multiple times yesterday morning during a so-called routine traffic stop. Uh, Somehow he miraculously survived. And a man captured in Texas Wednesday afternoon shot the police officer. It was an ambush at a a traffic stop. Uh, The person that allegedly fired the shots, uh, Jerry Don Elders, 39, shot a police officer, Joshua Lott, and Lott approached Elder's car for an equipment violation at 4.15 a.m. Lott joined the department in 2017. Apparently is listed as alert, stable condition. He's shot. You don't hear a lot about that. A poll is finding that liberals think that that apparently they're believing that cops are gunning down unarmed African-Americans by the thousands. This is by Miranda Devine of the New York Post writing this piece. Anyway, according to the poll, people on the left actually believe America's polices, police forces are gunning down African-Americans by the thousands. And um, anyway, she goes on to say these are the facts this year to April the 12th when she wrote her article. 52 African-Americans were fatally shot by police, three of whom were unarmed. 109 white people suffered the same fate, five of whom were unarmed, according to the Washington Post database. Uh, The majority of Americans, especially liberals, wildly believe these overestimates. The number of unarmed African-American men killed by police, for example, 53.5%, she goes on in the article, of those reporting are very liberal political views. And in 2019, they estimated that the number to be a thousand or more deaths when the actual number of unarmed African-American men fatally shot by police was 12. 
Um, I, I would argue probably the media has a little something to do with that and people believing the media. Um, but this is there's this anti-cop wing now that is running the Democratic Party, because I argue that the squad, they had complete influence over everything Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer do. They set the agenda. What do you think this whole new Green Deal agenda came from them and Bernie Sanders? And Joe Biden, by the way, apparently is, you know, just going along, doesn't seem too aware of pretty much anything. Nancy Pelosi did make a comment that Capitol rioters would have had a fight on their hands. She says, I'm pretty tough. I'm a street fighter. Uh, so I, they have, I, listen, I like people that stand up for themselves if they're ever confronted with hostility. You have to be able to protect yourself in life. It's good, you know, and I would say that to everybody. You have to ask yourselves ahead of time. Everybody, I think, needs to answer the question, what are you going to do? What do you do if you're in this situation? A lot of people don't think like that. What do you do if, God forbid, I don't want anyone to ever have to live through this, but it happens. There's evil in the world. What are you going to do if somebody breaks into your home? Okay, you'll dial 911. The odds, even with a great response time, whatever is going to happen will have happened by the time the police arrive. How do you protect yourself and your family? What do you, do you, have you thought about it? Do you have the means, the ability, the training to, to handle that? Um, let me get back to this. A couple of things uh, surrounding the issue of COVID-19 that we learned today. Tennessee Senate passed a bill that would ban these vaccine passports. I don't like vaccine passports. Uh, there's a case in, in Canada that I found interesting. They have these compliance officials. Anyway, uh, apparently the people in Canada are fed up with these compliance officials. And they showed up at a restaurant and then the patrons were angrily demanding that they leave. The restaurant owners said her stay open stance has been is about being able to breathe and walk and talk when you feel like it, not when someone dictates it to you. And I think at this point, everybody worldwide knows the risks. I think everybody understands that vaccines are available. I think everybody understands what, what the recommendations are on issues like social distancing. And mask wearing. And I think that everybody has to make their own decision. The only admonition I would put out there is, you know, try not to just think about yourself. If you're willing to take risks and your level of risk is higher than maybe other people, okay, I believe in liberty, freedom, and and the ability of people to make choices in their life, but then don't go around grandma and grandpa uh, and risk passing on a virus to them. Because the one thing that stayed constant was older people are far more vulnerable to these things. Um, and I mentioned the Pfizer CEO, I mentioned this at the start of the program, program excuse me, third uh, saying a third COVID vaccine dose is likely needed within 12 months. Uh, I wish we would have known that earlier. People would have had full knowledge before they got the vaccine. But, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer guy. I'm not. I, I want to read the science, but I'm not going to tell people what to do either. I'm not, you know, I think this idea of, of vaccine shaming members of Congress, even those that have natural antibodies, somebody like a doctor like Rand Paul is obnoxious. Rand Paul's willing to wear a mask and he's willing to socially distance. 
And the idea, this, this has to be his decision. And what I recommend to people that ask me, rather than telling people, get to this, get to that, I'm not doing that. We put on doctors that have varying points of view on this program so you can make an intelligent decision. What I urge you to do is, and again, I'm not an anti-vaccine person at all, but I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. This is your life, your medical history. I don't know anything about anybody's medical history. I believe in the right to choose and medical privacy. I'm against these vaccine, you know, passports or shaming people. Well, you need to get a vaccine. Well, if somebody's willing to socially distance and wear a mask, which is what they said we ought to be doing. Why do you feel you have the right to force people? Anyway, so I think that people need to make informed decisions. I highly recommend everybody do their own research. There is a wealth of information out there. I read, read opinions from a wide variety of people. There are differing medical opinions on important issues like vaccines and these particular vaccines. Read. There's a big difference between, say, Moderna, Pfizer, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Very different vaccines. Johnson & Johnson is, is a vaccine made in the more traditional way versus the, the newer science, science behind the Pfizer-Moderna vaccines. Read them. One, Johnson & Johnson is one shot. The other two take two shots. Now Pfizer's saying you probably need a third shot. You may need one a, a booster annually suggested today. But then you're going to have to look at your unique medical condition and your medical history. And then I advise you to talk to professionals, doctors that you trust, that you know. Talk to your doctor. Talk to other doctors that you know and trust and, and value their opinion of. And uh, then you make an, an informed decision based on your very unique medical history. And you have the right to medical privacy on top of it all. Things got very heated in a hearing today at the House Select uh, Subcommittee on the Coronavirus uh, Crisis when Congressman Jim Jordan, James Clyburn, Maxine Waters literally started shouting, at one point, shut your mouth. Uh, and it had to do during testimony with Anthony Fauci. Let's play it. Is it 90 percent, Dr. Fauci? Is it 90 percent? That's, that, that's what I'd like to know. Give, me some, give us some objective standards versus when certain things get reached, we might be able to get back to having our liberty. When? What are the numbers? Well, you're going to see a gradual uh, from the right now we're at an unacceptably high level. We're at on a daily basis. It's unacceptably high, regardless of who you are. What you're going to see as more and more people get vaccinated and we get over three million people a day, you're going to see the level of infection come down and down. And gradually there will be more flexibility for doing the things that you're talking where about. does it get to when it comes down what number do we get our liberties back tell me the number uh, tell me the number when 90 percent of the members of congress get vaccinated but you're not a doctor mr clyburn he is what is the number i can't thank give... you for recognizing me mr clyburn thank the chair you now recognizes the uh for five I'd minutes like my question Ms. is Malone. i don't i don't want I don't reclaiming want... my time I reclaiming my time order Regular order. No, just the, a moment. Mr. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, I don't want you to answer my question. The American people want Dr. Fauci to answer the well, question. What does well, it have to be? Expire, sir. If you need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. Wow. Fiery exchange in Congress. 
Um, like a lot of people, Dr. Fauci was so a year ago, he was saying, uh, oh, don't wear a mask. You don't need a mask. And he said in March of last year, oh, yeah, it's perfectly fine. Young, healthy, go on a cruise. Then it became wear the mask. Then it became wear two masks. Then it became two studies had to be rescinded on the issue of HCQ. After the two studies just blasted it. Now we have a whole bunch of studies that say otherwise. Taken early, starting with the Henry Ford study. It's unbelievable. One thing Dr. Oz was right about, it's very simple. When politics and medicine, when you have that, where they intersect, politics always wins. That means we all lose. That doesn't help any of us by any stretch of the imagination. Doesn't help the American people. I mean, this country is about as divided as I've ever seen. Then the Democrats now, oh, okay, we're going to be the party of no police. Never forget defund the police, no police. Then we have people like, oh, let's say Joe Biden, Jim Crow 2.0. He's now said it three times about the Georgia voting law, three times. But when you look at the new law in Georgia, it makes voting far more accessible than the state of Delaware, where Joe has represented people for 50 years. Delaware, no in-person early voting at all. Georgia has 17 days of in-person early voting. In Delaware, no drop boxes for absentee ballots at all. In Georgia, it's mandated by law. Every county has to have at least one. And they're available to every county's election office, where they should be. Both states require picture ID, voter ID. So why is Joe Biden, well, why aren't people boycotting his state? Why aren't all these Hollywood actors like George Clooney, idiot that he is, if he'd educate himself a little bit, might actually be effective. Because they're wrong about the Georgia law. Joe Biden has led the lie against the Georgia law. Senator Warnock has now had to admit, yeah, I lied about it. I didn't tell the truth about it. Stacey Abrams helped all of this come into being. A lot of the arguments here. Now look what's happened to the state of Georgia. $100 million, they estimate now, in lost business. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Biggest power grab ever in the history of this country. You want to pack the courts, D.C., Puerto Rico statehood, open borders, amnesty, give people something of great worth and value. And in the process, you're aiding and abetting law breaking. But what does law breaking mean in this day and age? As long as it advances radical liberal socialism, this is all the reality. Outright lying about covid emergency relief monies that are not covid emergency relief. Outright lying about infrastructure. Child care is infrastructure. Pre-K is infrastructure. Everything's infrastructure. We've got to redefine infrastructure. But um, let me just play. Let's go back now that Joe Biden is on board with this uh, court packing disastrous idea. Well, let's just look at the Democrats and what they used to say about court packing. As our country has grown, so too to the Supreme Court. 13 justices for 13 circuits is a logical progression. And that is another reason why I'm glad to join my colleagues in introducing the Judiciary Act of 2021 to establish the Supreme Court size as 13. Uh, That's a nice number. 
President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate and the United States Congress a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct, but it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make, and it put in question. I believe it's time to go back to this tradition and have at least 13 justices. But it was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. Are you open to expanding the size of the Supreme Court? I am open to that discussion. By adding four seats to the court to create a 13-member Supreme Court. These four new seats to be filled by President Biden will reconstitute the United States Supreme Court. We must expand the court and we must abolish the filibuster to do it. I believe we need to reform the Supreme Court, but it's not just about the number of justices. It was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. The court is broken. It made total sense to increase the number of justices on the Supreme Court. It was a bonehead idea. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make. And it put in question, for an entire decade, the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. There you have it. A bonehead idea. Anyway, Stephen Miller, uh, who along with uh, former chief of staff Mark Meadows, has now launched the America First Legal uh, Foundation and uh, their new endeavor together. The Wall Street Journal said about it, Mr. Miller, an architect of the last administration's immigration policies, leader, leading backer of social conservative initiatives, launching this week a new organization, America First Legal, to challenge the Biden administration initiatives at odds with the Trump-era priorities. I would add, and often at odds with the rule of law, and often at odds with something called our Constitution. Stephen Miller joins us now, and this court packing is a bone-headed idea. Joe was right then. What happened to Joe now? Does Joe forgot? May probably forgot. I don't even know if he knows what day it is. But anyway, Stephen Miller. <laughs> thank you for having me on, and uh, thank you for mentioning my new group, which, along with Mark Meadows, we launched to be the conservative answer to the ACLU. So instead of the ACLU trying to shred our Constitution and trying to shred our rights and trying to destroy our uh, basic foundational principles, we're going to launch an organization. We have launched an organization to stand up for the Constitution, the rule of law, separation of powers, and the principles we hold dear as Americans. And what you're seeing now with the effort to pack the Supreme Court is exactly why the rule of law is under such grave threat, because Democrats, liberals, and socialists don't believe that the Supreme Court should be independent. They believe it should be an arm of their personal extreme agenda to impose without any vote, right? The Supreme Court doesn't bring its issues to the American people. They just decide unilaterally to unilaterally impose that agenda on the whole nation. Well, I think when you look at when you add it all together, um, not enforcing the laws, for example, we have laws on immigration. It's illegal to enter this country uh, without authorization. We have a process by which if you want to come into the country, and I don't care where you come from, uh, I just ask that you do it legally. I support legal immigration. 
Um, but you have to go through the process. If you don't, well, now we see what's happening. Not only are you allowed to stay, but then they, the Biden administration has been aiding and abetting and facilitating law breaking. And they'll even give you transportation to another state. And then you could be in a sanctuary city or a sanctuary state. And then you get, what, free health care. The government's not going to let you. Your kids not go to school. You get free education. Everything's free. And the American taxpayers will foot the bill for all of this. Uh, I would think that if they wanted to change immigration laws, they would actually think about that other co-equal branch of government known as the legislative branch and and do it legally. But that's not how it's working, is it? No. And that's that's a great example. Exhibit A in the new administration's lawlessness. So, as you mentioned, Congress has passed over a period of decades, hundreds of pages of immigration law establishing the lawful way to enter the country, and the unlawful way to enter the country. And the lawful way is spelled out in great detail. You can apply for this visa. You can apply for a green card. You can apply as a student. You can apply as a business person. You can apply as a family member. Here's where you apply. Here's how you apply. Here's what you need to put on the application. And then it has all these rules for saying you can't enter this way, and you can't enter this way. And if you do enter this way, then you have to be sent home. And it's all spelled out in painstaking detail. And the Biden administration has effectively said that all of these laws passed by Congress are null and void because we say so. And that's probably the most breathtaking thing I've ever seen any president do in my lifetime. And you probably have to go back a whole lot further than that to find any kind of parallel to what we're seeing today. Well, when you look at all of it together between court packing and the new Green Deal and unbelievable amounts of money being spent uh, and sold fraudulently to the American people, they say it's emergency COVID relief. It's not. They say it's infrastructure. It's not. Um, and and now, of course, the biggest tax increase in over three decades they're proposing uh, using the reconciliation process, using executive actions more than any president in the modern era, uh, just with the stroke of a pen, changing laws and bypassing that other co-equal branch of government. You know, they want four Democratic Senate seats with D.C. and Puerto Rico statehood. All this is the biggest power grab I've ever seen in my lifetime. Now, the problem is, will the 50 Republicans in the Senate that have the power to stop all of this and, and maybe even walk out as a as a party from the Senate so they can't get a quorum and ab- abuse the power that the Democrats allowing them to abuse the power that they've been given? I'm not convinced entirely that Mitt Romney, Ben Sass and uh, Lisa Murkowski are going to be on board. That is the fundamental question, Sean. Are Senate Republicans going to stick together and stand up and stop what you correctly describe as the single greatest power grab in American history? I mean, you walk through the list, and it's terrifying. They get rid of the filibuster if they appoint four socialists to the United States Supreme Court, four partisan socialists to the U.S. Supreme Court, if they add four new Democrat Senate seats, implement the Green New Deal, raise everybody's taxes, and illegally keep our borders wide open so that thousands of people are being unlawfully resettled each and every day. What will be left of the country as we know it? 
the, the system that our founders left us, the separation of powers, co-equal branches of government, basic civil liberties and freedoms and rights. I mean, this is something that we prayed would never happen, and now we're on the precipice of true national disaster. Well, all of this now is becoming a, real, uh, uh, a reality in terms of where we're fighting. Uh, your organization now, the America First Legal uh, Foundation that you guys formed, is going to be taking a lot of these issues to the court. Now, if the court follows the Constitution and the rule of law, uh, I would imagine that they would be stopped in, in pursuit of, you know, just ignoring the laws of the land when they need to change them. I mean, you know, Joe Biden famously said, I'm not a dictator. You know, you got to get the votes. You got to get the votes. Well, he's not getting the votes. And yet the, this is the agenda they're pushing. Do you believe that the court system will stand up against these issues where it's clear lawlessness and it's unconstitutional? So that is exactly the right question to be asking. The reason why the Democrats have come out now with the court packing bill is to try to scare the Roberts court, as well as many lower judges across the country, from doing the right thing. Make no mistake, it's an intimidation and extortion tactic. But what I would say to John Roberts, and what I would say to every single judge in the circuit and district courts is, if you appease extortion, you only get more of it. We saw this where for years, Chief Justice Roberts would make rulings that were designed to appease the other side of the political spectrum. Did they relent? Did they let up? Did they give him more breathing room? No. They just come after him harder and harder and harder because they see that that works. You're rewarding bullying. You're rewarding intimidation. The best I thing think I think the I think keep it from happening is to stand up for themselves. I think the Roberts court will be remembered for him politicizing the bench and the judiciary. And you're right. You know, they, well, why do they want four new Supreme Court justices? Because they want left wing judicial activists, things that they'd never accomplish legislatively or convince voters to elect them on. They kind of usually hide most of their radicalism. Uh, I think all of that would uh, it's all for them ensuring the advancement of their socialist agenda. Correct. A lot of the things that they would like to push to the Supreme Court, they couldn't get through Congress even without the filibuster. In other words, some of their ideas are so legitimately crazy are so insane that their only hope, like take a great example, Sean, Second Amendment, disarming law-abiding citizens. The the effort to do that would face a tough hurdle, not impossible, it would face a tough hurdle in the, um, in the U.S. Senate, and you would potentially get something smacked down by the Supreme Court. Potentially. Who knows? You get four left-wing Supreme Court justices, and without passing a single bill into law, you can systematically strip every single American of their private right to own a firearm. You don't need to pass a vote. You don't need to have an election. That is a truly scary thing. That is the level of danger to our civil liberties that we're talking about right now. I think it's one of the biggest dangers in our time. All right, it's called the America Legal First Foundation. Uh, Steve Miller and Mark Meadows set it up. Um, people ask me all the time, well, what do we do? And 
you know, why aren't we challenging these things in the courts? Well, this group is going to be one of the principal ones responsible for doing it. Exactly. And Stephen Milt, do you have a website set up yet? Yes. So everyone should go to aslegal.org. That's aslegal.org. And you'll learn more about our mission, what we're working on, how you can lend a hand to support. And I should also just note before going that as we speak right now, because you talked about the border issue earlier, we are actually working with several states' attorneys general on border lawsuits to try to stop this lawlessness from the Biden administration in addition to other issues. And as you said, if you want to fight back, this is how to do it. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800 941 Sean, you want to be a part of the program. A uh, lot going on. We are watching, we are monitoring this case out of Chicago. And uh, we, yeah, I, I, it's, it's unfortunate anytime there's an incident involving anybody, especially a young teenager, you've got to have grave concern. And but the media, you know how they are. And then when you can say, okay, well, look at the average murder rate and the number of shootings in Chicago on any given weekend. And then the videotape gets released. And now, well, you know, all that I've seen all day long on social media is, you know, predictions of, oh, uh, you know, the shift show that'll happen there tonight. Just sad. You know, this is our country. We have a legal system, a justice system. Now, we also have a system where people can peacefully protest. But we know that we learned all summer long it wasn't so peaceful, was it? And watching in Minnesota all week, it wasn't so peaceful, was it? All right, let's get to our uh, phones. Uh, let's say hi to Rob. He's in California, the United Socialist Utopia of California. How are you, sir? Good, sir. Thank you for taking my call. How are you doing? I'm good. By the way, you should be very happy New York is about to replace you as the the most <laughs> heavily taxed state in the union. You you currently own that uh, that position. Yeah, it's uh, not something that I want to brag about. Uh, trust me. So, hey, Sean, I just called to comment a little bit about I'm a reserve police officer. I've been a reserve for uh, 10 years about the uh, Potter uh, incident. And uh, as sad as that is that as that is. You know, our agency is uh, agency specific. We have to carry our taser on our off hand. We cannot, uh, you know, some agencies allow their officers to carry a taser on the same side as their weapon. And uh, we are not like that. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's just sad that uh, this unfortunate incident happened to this uh, individual. Look, but- I, I mean, look, this, this is going to go through an investigation. In the case of sure. a 25 year veteran, in this case, Officer Potter, she apparently had a pretty impeccable record over that 25 years. You can hear her. I will tase you. I will tase you. Taser, taser, taser. And then you you hear a discharge. Oh, shoof, shoof, yeah. shift. Yeah. I just, you know, she says it now. That's going to be let's assume this goes to trial. If it goes to trial, you will have to convince 12 people that this is not an accident, as she is claiming, as the police chief said, a, 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 an accidental discharge. I don't Are you going to get 12 people that will vote to convict on second degree manslaughter? I don't know. Yeah, I, I highly doubt it. I, you know, I, I think what, what the general public doesn't understand is law enforcement. We are constantly being trained. I mean, we're, we're on the range, at least with my agency. We're on the range every month. Um, we're constantly being trained inside and outside on on any type of specific hand-to-hand combat baton training you know law enforcement officers we go through we're, we're always trained so this all this malarkey about more training more training 
we need to focus our well, let me let me kids. let me take a little issue with you on this from the knowledge i have okay so yes, I, I think you might have heard me i don't know if you've ever heard me say I, i've been a student of martial arts now and trained four or five days a week an hour and a half a day and i've been doing it for eight years and yes, uh my sensei my you know he has a dojo in the dojo by the way, any cops that want additional training that he offers, you know, he gives them a big discount because he, you know, we all believe in law enforcement. And the training that they get from him is is far deeper than going to the range. I mean, the range gives you the one option, which is the firearm, which is the lethal option. That's why, you know, I showed pictures of this, whatever you call it, the, the netting that you shoot out at people and it wraps them up, ties them up. And it can work anywhere from 10 to 25 feet. Any non-lethal option, I think we ought to be paying attention to and and adding to the arsenal or options that police officers have. It doesn't mean that, that mistakes won't be made. But in terms of the training, I, I know they get trained, yeah. but it's to me it's not at a level that I think it needs to be at, to be very frank, because I sometimes cha- uh, train. I usually don't train with groups because of my schedule. But when I do train with other people in the dojo and even those in law enforcement i'm far more advanced than they are like light years are more advanced well well you know my my comment to that is every officer's issued a sam brown which is your belt you know there's there's only so much room on our belt for equipment i mean we've got tasers we've got pepper spray we've got a baton we've got lethal force we've got you know when when is it going to stop where you know everybody's on on law enforcement where we have to carry more and more and more when is the general public just going to figure out let's get back to respecting police officers and people and obeying obeying you know what you're being told and complying with you know what's happening in that particular situation you know we wear a lot of hats i mean we're marriage counselors we're you know we deal with grieving parents that should come home from work and find little johnny dead from a heroin overdose it, it just it, it goes on and on. I mean, you might deal with 15 or 20 different things in a 10-hour shift. Uh, it, you know, I mean, like I said, we, we wear many hats. And, uh, you know, I, I think the public in this in all this stuff that's going on and people with not complying and running, you know, that kid, we, we have a, a calling where we, we, we call certain people like that frequent flyers. I'm sure that guy was a frequent flyer with that agency or that department that she worked for. And what I mean by that is, we deal with the same people all the time. Look, the same, but that but that should reason. never have, even if you know somebody that you're arresting, past actions. Now, they knew that this guy had been involved in an incident involving a gun, involving a woman. The bail was set rather high sure. considering the day and age where we live in. And, yeah. you know, but I would just say this. There needs to be. Now, I do like pepper spray. I think that should be one option. Yeah. Uh, I've, yeah. I've thrown a couple of options out on TV this week. I'll throw another one out there tonight, a different one. And yeah. I just I, I want police better trained. I, I specifically go to the George Floyd case because I, I think that was just mishandled completely. Sure. sure. And, and I, I and think I that there was no need for that. No need at all. And every cop I know is, frankly, angry because it gives them, you know, look at who wants to be a cop today. Nobody wants to be a cop today because even if you wanted to be a cop your whole life and you're looking at this, what's happening now and how that cops are being treated. 
I mean, no, I, you, you just got to stand back and say, I got to make a better career choice here, even though this is something wow. I really wanted to do. I would, if I, if a young person, and I don't know why, but people often come to me, my, my kids' friends, they ask me questions, I give them honest answers. And sure. they ask me career advice. Some want to get into broadcasting. Some want to get into the news business. Some want to get into business, et cetera. The only people that don't ask advice are my kids. Um, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the point is, you know, I would, if somebody said, I want to be a cop, I'd pause and I'd ask a lot of questions. I said, do you, yeah. do you see what's happening out there? Do you understand now how dangerous it, this, this job is? Look, we had a, a Texas cop was gunned down during a traffic stop, a stop overnight last night. Yeah. Nobody knows yeah. the name of this cop, except that, yeah. you know, I report the names. I, I sure. did it on Monday in a monologue this week, but. Uh, anyway, Rob, no, I hear it, what you're saying. It, I think your your yeah. your heart's in the right place. You're obviously one of the good cops that cares about people, yeah. and you're protecting and serving. But you know, yeah. I uh, I I just wish you a happy retirement as soon as you can get there. Yeah, I appreciate your time, Sean. Thank you. All right, thank you, Melissa, Florida. Hey, Melissa, how are you? Good. I live in uh, Newport Ritchie, Florida, and I've been in Florida my whole the whole life pretty much we came from kentucky originally but we moved down here in 1973 and uh so you know and i don't mind change i love people when they come down for the winter time the snowbirds the snowbirds hanging headed down south for warm weather yes ma'am right you know so i've had my share of interacting with northern northerners new yorkers <laughs> here it goes you know i mean you know and i did nails for 30 years so i was in that service industry now i'm 55 and i decided to keep working so i'm delivering flowers for a living and i'm actually right. making more money doing this than i ever did doing nails <laughs> oh good for you i'm glad yeah, you swear. should be proud of yourself that's awesome and you yeah. sound like you enjoy it you're bringing joy to people every day good for you yep yep and the, my problem is with the influx of people coming down from the northeast is i am scared to death they're going to bring their politics with them because you should they're be. escaping taxes and and things like that that they're they're having to deal with up there and and it scares me to death because we've worked really hard to keep this state conservative and we got past charlie christ who's like a turncoat republican and he was a democrat i think then he was an independent you know let me let me help you out here i i if you're a new york if you're from new york and you're from New Jersey, and you're from yeah. uh, uh, Philly, and you're from Chicago, Illinois, or California. If you're going to move to a red state to get away from the oppressive bureaucracy and high taxes, and you're going to move to another state, don't go if you're just going to vote the same way you did in your previous state, because otherwise you're going to ruin that state. And I'm not kidding right. when I say this. Stay home. If, if you like higher taxes, stay where you are. Don't ruin the next state because right. you're, you're stay, listen. Stay at home. And fight for your state. Well, I'm. I, listen, I, you know? I, I can't. I, I live in New York. I can't fight for my state. There's no fight in New York. There's no. It is. It is completely dominated, run by radical, extreme socialist Democrats that hate me. It blows I'm just, my I, mind. Now, I, I am telling you that you have filibuster proof, uh, a filibuster proof assembly, and a filibuster proof Senate, and then you got Andrew Cuomo. And then you got Comrade de Blasio. There's, there's no hope for me here. I just need to get my contracts changed so I can move residences. And then guess what? Well, I'll be one of the good New Yorkers that's polite. Remember, I lived in the South also for a good while. I've, well, sure. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I'm in 
Alabama. Somebody goes to me, yo, come back and see us now, please. You know, come. I'm like, huh? Nobody in New York ever treated me like that. And I, I, I kind of like the, the, the Southern, uh, genteel way. I'm, I'm, I'm a Southerner at heart in terms of my values, my conservatism. I'm a red state conservative. So, but let not your heart be troubled. Okay. (laughs) We're, we're nice people down here, but we we can only take so much. (laughs) Uh, God bless you. I appreciate it. Quick break right back to the phones. 800-941-SEAN, our number. And as we continue, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Uh, Joe in Florida. What's up, Joe? Hello, Sean. Just to cut to the quick of things on this, um, I was listening to the show yesterday, and I just want to say I'm completely upset with this officer. I don't feel bad for her the way I've heard other law officers say. I think law enforcement officers across the country are highly undertrained and underqualified going into the position. I know she was there for 25 years. But if she doesn't have the training and the muscle memory training to know the difference between her taser and her gun, I think it still validates, even after 25 years, that they're not properly trained or qualified for these positions. Okay, you, listen, if you want to quickly, hours. so do you, do you think she should be convicted? Is that what you're telling me? Absolutely. You would be convicted. I would be convicted. And they should not be necessarily. Now, now, remember, you have somebody who is resisting arrest. Look, we, we, we hear about in war conditions that we hear about friendly fire incidents that happen and they're tragic do you think there's any american soldier that wants to kill a fellow american by accident no they don't uh after 25 years do you really believe this woman set out i'm gonna i'm gonna kill somebody today because i'm in the mood to kill somebody you have to look at evidence manslaughter is is you have to what we have to do in a case like this it needs to be investigated officer's been charged there will probably be a trial um, there is a, a the fog of war or the fog of somebody, you know, an incident where it's, you know, a high adrenaline moment. Um, you know, part of my martial arts training is situational self-defense. And I get and the reason we do so much of it is so that I don't lose my head and I and, I, and my brain continues to function as if. It's I'm in the dojo. That's why we do pain, pain day. For example, if you're going to be in a in a conflict and you can't take a punch and you can't deal with the pain of that, then you're never going to be able to defend yourself. So we do all of those things. Now, you hear the police officer saying, I will tase you. I will tase you. Taser, taser, taser. Then the shot. And then, oh, shift. Okay. now that sounds to me what the police chief described as an accidental discharge I think a strong case will be made by the defense that this was an accidental discharge. Now, was it made by a 25 year veteran with a pretty stellar track record from all that we've we've been able to gather so far? Yes. But all of that will be presented to the jury and the law will be spelled out to the jury and the jury will make their decision. And that's how our system works. It's called due process and the presumption of innocence. Um, Can I make three points to you, Sean? I'll tell you what, uh, I, I just don't have time today, but we can pick it up another day. Does that work for you? Make one. Let me make one simple one. It's Hurry. 15 seconds. Okay, 1,550 hours in Minnesota to have a license in the state to cut somebody's hair. 640 hours of police training to carry a gun and a taser and know the difference and not kill somebody accidentally, which is manslaughter, which is what she's being charged with. That's it. Uh, it's wrong. Okay, so you have no no margin of error. Everybody's got to act perfectly. Their training should have kicked in and they should have reacted flawlessly. Okay, let's, let's see what the jury says on that. 
800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. So, as we have been telling you, you know, we've been watching members of the squad and Congress, et cetera, et cetera, out there. We got we to gotta get rid of the police. I'm like, huh? Okay, get rid of the police. How's that going to end? There have been protests all around the country. I've been watching now every night what's been going on in, in Minnesota, in Brooklyn Center, after the, the death that took place, second-degree manslaughter charge of, uh, you know, by, of Officer Potter in that particular case. We've been hearing from liberal Democrats. I mean, it's, it's getting pretty scary out there because, really, we all know that people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, they're all beholden to the real leaders in Congress and that, of course, would be the squad. In Washington, D.C., had protesters chanting, burn the precinct to the ground. Listen. Now, we know what happened. We heard Officer Potter saying, I will taser you. I will taser you. Taser, taser, taser. Then we hear the discharge. Then, oh, Schiff, because I and the police chief and obviously Officer Potter said this was an accidental discharge. She thought that she was using her taser. And anyway, people rush to judgment as usual. There's no due process, no presumption of innocence ever. No, no consideration of what the facts might be. They don't they speak out before facts are even gathered. We saw that Officer Potter's home was address was leaked on the Internet, forcing law enforcement to erect a, a fence and guard the property. Top Democrats, they're, they're looking to score cheap political points as usual. Squad leader Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, calling for the police to be abolished, saying law enforcement is an indefensible system that rewards violence with impunity and money. Congresswoman Omar stating that violence is a basic part of police interactions with minorities. Congresswoman Tlaib writing that, you know, American policing is inherently and intentionally racist. Called for there to be, quote, no more policing, incarceration and militarization. It, ca- it cannot be reformed. Now, those inflammatory statements are detached from reality. Uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, what that America would look like, but I don't suspect it would work out very well for anybody. But remember, they've also supported these efforts to defund or ban police in in cities all around the country. You know, there was a firestorm surrounding member Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene about comments she made when she wasn't even a member of Congress. She met with Minority Leader McCarthy. She apologized, disavowed her past comments. She was stripped of her committee assignments. Now, what about Democrats when they say crazy things like abolish the police? What we're just going to say, oh, okay, you know, is 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 Chuck Schumer going to take on the squad? Is Nancy Pelosi going to do it? No, they won't. And Joe Biden seems to just go along with all of it. And that is the modern liberal leftist Democratic Socialist Party for today. Anyway, joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Sir, how are you? I'm doing well, and I think that uh, Rashida Tlaib has actually given us 
a huge opportunity to define America. Uh, she quit, she she tweeted about the recent shooting in Minnesota. "Quote: It was not an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist." Dante White was met with aggression and violence. I am done with those who condone funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Well, I got intrigued with that, so I went back and looked. Her district, uh, her district headquarters are in the city of Detroit. Detroit had 327 homicides in 2020, up from 275 the year before. That's a 19% increase. They had 1,173 non-fatal shootings in 2020, up from 767 the previous year, which is a 53% increase. So here's, here is a congresswoman who has her citizens many of them poor African-Americans, who are being preyed upon by criminals. And what's her solution? It's, it's not just what got, what got to me was it's not just disbanding the police. It's also basically closing all of the prisons. And we actually have a, a researcher, Rachel Peterson, right now, pulling together for, for Michigan how many murderers, rapists, and armed robbers are currently serving time in the Michigan prisons. And this is, I, I just think Rashida Tlaib is the perfect example of the kind of, of, of member of Congress. Since the Democrats have established the principle that if they think you're irresponsible, they can strip you of your committee assignments, I think the House Republicans ought to go all out to demand that Rashida Tlaib lose her committee assignments because what she's saying, remember, this is a country where Seattle has, has unrest, Portland has violence every single night, you see a dramatic rise in murder uh, everywhere in the country. Almost every big city has had a huge rise. In fact, it is historically unprecedented how rapidly the murder rate's gone up in the last year. And in this context, she's basically pouring gasoline on the fire. You know, we, we see this, but there are never any consequences. Look, I've been saying for a long time, and you can correct me if you disagree or think I'm wrong, uh, that that I don't really see Nancy Pelosi as the Speaker of the House. I think she's Speaker in name only. I think the squad not only runs the House, I think Nancy Pelosi is is really afraid of her. I think Chuck Schumer fears that she might run against him in New York. Uh, certainly it's their new Green Deal agenda that is driving everything that Joe Biden is doing right now. Uh, and this entire defund the police you know, ridiculousness started with them also. And the new Green Deal will, you know, well, the world's going to end in 12 years, uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez said. So uh, it seems like they're leading the entire intellectual narrative, if you want to refer to it, uh, of the Democratic Party. They they are the leaders of this new Democratic Socialist Party. That's the way I look at it. Well, I think that's right, and I think that's why this is the right time to draw a line in the sand. I mean, how many Democrats really believe that you could disband the police? And how many Democrats really believe that you could close all of the prisons? I mean, that that's what this particular member is calling for. And, and at a time when we're seeing Americans killed in extraordinary numbers, uh, I don't think we have to be quiet or or hide when somebody makes statements that by any reasonable standard are crazy. I mean, I'd, be, I'd love to have some reporter to say to 
Rashida Tlaib, do you have any idea how many people in Detroit were killed this year by criminals? Uh, because, of course, on the left, anybody who gets killed must have been killed by a policeman because there are no criminals on the left. And that's why they can have these, I think, extraordinarily stupid ideas that are dangerous. I mean, pe- people are dying because of these kind of ideas. Well, and they're becoming the law just like in the state of New York and other states are trying to expand this out, too. And that is this this idiocy of no bail whatsoever. I mean, there was actually literally in New York, a, a bank robber gets caught robbing a bank, released no bail, goes out, robs another bank, gets caught again, goes back to, you know, bring him to jail, book him, release him again. I think he did it like four or five times. And he, and he thanked Andrew Cuomo for allowing him to continue to rob banks and not be held accountable. They just put him back on the street. But the Democratic well, Party's... You, go ahead. I think in that case, he actually finally complained because he actually wanted to be kept in jail. Uh, he was a guy who'd spent a large part of his life in jail. You know, he, he got fed. He got taken care of. He didn't have to think about much. And he finally turned to one of the policemen and said, what do you have to do for them to keep you? <laughs> The answer was, you can't get them to do it. They're just going to keep putting you back on the street, which, of course, has led to a dramatic increase in New York crime. It's, it's for the very first time, beginning to go back to the pre-Giuliani period, where it was dangerous to even go downtown. And I think you're going to see a tremendous uh, public response to this idea that uh, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, they're just, they're, they're just going to be criminals. In San Francisco, for example... Uh, the communist uh, district attorney out there uh, announced that if you stole less than $900, it would be considered a misdemeanor and they wouldn't even prosecute you. The result, of course, is relatively smart people figured out how to go out and steal $850 at a time. And Walgreens has now announced that every single uh, drugstore, there are 10 of them, every single one in San Francisco will now be closed because they can't afford to have people coming by and just uh, routinely um, stealing from them. It's, it's a license no, to no steal, but, but think of this, too. I mean, we are in states like California, sanctuary cities like San Francisco, uh, you know, sanctuary state like California. We're aiding and abetting law-breaking. I mean, you have people that, that spend time in jail for violent crimes in these sanctuary cities, and then never turned over to ICE as the law requires. And then they basically get a get out of jail and get to stay in America free card. Uh, then you have, for example, we do have laws. You are, you know, Speaker of the House, lawmaker. It's supposed to be a co-equal branch of government. And yet our immigration laws are just not only routinely ignored, uh, but it's gotten so bad the Biden administration now is aiding and abetting in the law breaking. And then they're they're moving people to all sorts of states. Christy Nome said you can't send them to North Dakota, uh, South Dakota anymore. And we now have in New York, illegal immigrants can get checks of uh, over fifteen thousand dollars, one time checks. And now the governor of New Jersey is putting 40 million dollars into the same type of program for illegal immigrants. They're getting paid. They didn't respect our laws, our border, our sovereignty. And so I don't know, I'm, a, I'm a supporter of legal immigration. And I don't care where you come from. Just do it legally and welcome to the country. I think you should have a COVID test. I think a health check. I think that's fair for the American people. I similarly believe that you should have a background check to make sure you don't have radical associations. 
And I think you should be able to prove that you're able to pay for everything yourself and that you won't be a burden on the American taxpayer. Short of that, welcome to the country. Yeah, I, I had a very funny conversation uh, on our number yesterday where they were talking about, you know, why are these people coming here? What's the underlying cause? And I just said, well, you're in El Salvador and you hear that uh, Governor Cuomo would like to give you $15,000. What do you think you're going to do? Uh, and, and the signals. But, but Joe's even promising something more than that, and that is he's holding out amnesty. Now, what is amnesty? That's something of great value. Um, is is it like, for example, court packing? Is that in the power grab of oh, if we if D.C. becomes a state, Puerto Rico becomes a state, we think we'll get four Democratic senators in perpetuity and a Senate majority in perpetuity? Uh, are they now hoping that amnesty would then result in? Uh, you know, something of great value that then people will vote for Democrats in perpetuity also? Is that still part of the power grab? No, I, I think that the, you know, I keep telling people that we, we don't have a crisis on the border. We have a deliberate planned effort to bring the maximum number of illegal immigrants into the U.S. Uh, while they pretend that they're concerned. But the truth is, uh, this is exactly what they'd hoped for. All right, quick break. More with Speaker Gingrich on the other side. What should Republicans do going forward? And he'll take your calls as well. 800-941-SEAN, our number. All right, as we continue with uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, uh, at the bottom of this half hour, he'll take your calls. 800-941-SEAN. If I ran a daycare center and I built cages that look like Joe Biden's recently built cages where they're overcrowded, sometimes 1,700 percent, um, and 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 I, I th- those kids were in these cages with in the middle of a pandemic. Or if Donald Trump did it, I think if I was a child, if I ran a child care or daycare center, and those images emerged, number one, it would be shut down immediately, and number two, the owners and operators would be handcuffed and raced off to jail. Am I wrong? No, you're right, and I think it tells you uh, how much the game is currently rigged that we see that kind of behavior. Uh, now, these, these folks don't expect to ever be investigated. They don't expect to ever be have any consequences. And so they're, they're quite happy doing what they're doing. You and I know that <clears throat> in the case of Governor Cuomo, for example, some of his decisions probably killed between 6,000 and 9,000 senior citizens uh, because he did things that were exactly wrong with COVID. He doesn't care. Uh, it's not it's not part of the world he lives in. And uh, I think it's just tragic, frankly. The segment we we haven't done in a long time, but we're bringing it back. Every once in a while, we ask uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, to uh, answer your questions or respond to your comments. And we're going to do that today. Let me ask you about the Georgia voting law. I mean, you obviously represented the great <laughs> state of Georgia for years. What I find fascinating about this, when you compare the new Georgia voting law, which makes voting more accessible than it previously was and more accommodating than the laws of many states, New York is one, or let's look at Joe's state of Delaware. Uh, For example, Delaware has no in-person early voting. Georgia now has 17 days of in-person early voting. There's no drop boxes at all for absentee ballots in the state of Delaware. But in Georgia, drop boxes, absentee ballots are available at every county's elections office in every county. Uh, Both states require voter ID, uh, picture ID of some kind. 
Uh, why, why didn't, why is Joe Biden calling this Jim Crow 2.0 when Joe Biden never lifted a finger in 50 years to fix the, the, the voting laws in his own state of Delaware? Well, look, I mean, not only is there a certain amount of hypocrisy in, in his past, but I, I watched four or five times in a row things he said about the Georgia law that are just plain a lie. And they know it's a lie. I mean, it's not confusing. Uh, they know that for the, the, my favorite is you, they will not allow you to have water while you stand there in the August sun and that it's horrifying and it's anti-human, uh, something which Biden has repeated over and over again. Well, it's totally untrue. They have a specific line in the law that says that the election officials can provide water to anyone who needs it. The difference is that the they don't allow campaigns to go electioneering. It's called the, an electioneer, right? So that's that's what this is all about. Uh, before I get to the phones, Mr. Speaker, let me talk about the Republican Party. Now, if ever there was a bellwether election uh, for the Republican Party, it will be in 2022. Uh, we have Senate seats open in Florida, in Georgia, in New Hampshire. Uh, we have it in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arizona. You can't get a better bellwether than those states with the U.S. Senate. And, of course, obviously, the, the Republicans in the House are within striking distance of becoming the majority again. Your thoughts? Well, I, I look, I think we have a lot of good indicators. We just picked up a special elections in uh, in New Hampshire and in Connecticut, uh, we're consistently, I think, gaining ground, partially because the left is just driving people away. But I think Republicans have an opportunity to to have a positive agenda, positive specific ideas, uh, whether it's school choice in the face of how badly the teachers unions have behaved, uh, or it is real dramatic improvements in the health system by increasing uh, the opportunity for people to really be in charge of their own health care, have transparency so they know what things will cost. I think that the, the differences, for example, on taxes, uh, where the average American does not want a tax increase, and I keep looking at these things, every time you turn around, the Democrats have another really bad idea that most people don't want. And I think we need to communicate that we are for clear-cut things. You've, you've said this a number of times, both on radio and television, that there are core values we have, uh, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, uh, and at the same time, uh, we have an opportunity to to uh, communicate that we believe in freedom, that we believe in your rights to pursue happiness, your rights to have a job. And I think we're going to have to come up with some solutions for things like uh, the degree to which big corporations and the uh, big Internet systems have, have really become political animals uh, and are doing things that are just not acceptable, period. I mean, you cannot have somebody who got 75 million votes, Donald J. Trump, literally turned into a non-person by corporations. I and got a front what, row that's seat. That's what you're trying to do. In, in, when I, we first met in 1990 in a Holiday Inn in Decatur, Alabama, the first time I interviewed you. Uh, but then I moved to Georgia, and I was on the air in Georgia. Uh, by the way, you know, the only reason we let Speaker Gingrich take calls is because he actually has hosted talk radio shows. You filled in for me. You filled in for Neil Bortz in, in years gone by. You don't really like it, do you? 
Uh, it's very hard work. People who think it's easy <laughs> have never done it. I, I don't mind being a guest, but when you start getting into... It's really funny. Everybody says, I can do a talk show. And I, I'm like, I remember the first time I did a three-hour show, My, my uh, the first week, my brain hurt. <laughs> it just did. Um, now, I, I, if I don't do it, I'll be driving around in the car talking to myself and mumbling to myself. I'll be like, all right, you're on the air. Hey, Sean, uh, first time uh, caller, long time listener. And then um, when we come back, uh, yeah, like uh, this is Alec Baldwin. Did you ever hear okay, this tape? We're, Listen, we're gonna, this uh, is a real tape. Now, when can we take some calls, Ivan? Whenever we want. Do we, do we, we have calls that are on there now? Do no calls, calls yet. No calls, no yet. calls yet. What number do people call to get on the air? I mean, do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have the call number in front of me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's interesting. Interesting. At uh, uh, 1210 at PHT. Of course, any other questions you have, any other comments you have, call us um, to the... Uh, what else? Uh, call us, please, at uh, <laughs> Now, um, if you don't call, we're going to keep reading from the Scientology manual. You might not feel it. You might not feel the energy right now. You might not feel uh, the swell of what's happening here. Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. Is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec Baldwin posing the big questions tonight here. Uh, do we have any calls here yet, Ivan? None. Boy, it's just incredible. Unbelievable. Well, you leave us no choice, listeners. That is a real tape. That really happened. It's the greatest <laughs> talk show in the history of talk radio. <laughs> it is the greatest show ever. <laughs> uh, anyway, just a moment of levity. Let me let me break down, and then we'll get to calls. I, I can say it in less than a minute. To me, what the conservative movement is, and you did this, and I learned a lot from you, because you had... Renewing American civilization, which became the intellectual force behind the contract with America, which which helped Republicans take back the House for the first time in 40 years in 1994. And I was your MC that night. You graciously invited me to be the, the MC that night. And to me, conservatism is simple. We are a we our movement believes in liberty and freedom and limited government and our Constitution. We believe in lower taxes we believe in less government bureaucracy to facilitate business, especially in this day and age with worldwide marketplace. Um, we believe in energy independence. We believe in secure borders and legal immigration. Uh, we believe in constitutional justices. Uh, we want every city and town to have law and order so every citizen can be safe and secure. We believe in, in school choice for kids and that we can improve our, the quality of our education by providing that choice. We believe in free market health care options for people that protect people with pre-existing conditions, free and fair trade, and peace through strength. Am I missing much? No, I don't think so. And I think if we stick to that and then offer policies that, that reflect those values and communicate why your life will be better, which is a key part of this. I mean, people have, you know, people don't often spend their life thinking about politics. You and I do, but the average person doesn't. But what the average person does want to know is, will my family be better off? Will my neighborhood be better off? You know, will my job get better? And I think when you take those principles and you translate it into, into proposals, that you can really go and say to people, here's why you will be better off. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, how much, how rapidly you can gain ground. And we saw this 
in uh, 2020 in the House where Kevin McCarthy's team was picking up seats. They were supposed to lose 25. They gained 15. It was an enormous shock to the Democrats. But part of the reason was they had good candidates who were very positive and who did exactly what you just did. They, they outlined a better America that was based on the kind of positive things that can be done as opposed to what we're now having. The, the Democrats do to us. We want to do things for us. And there's a huge difference in those two approaches. Well, let's get to the phones. Newt Gingrich is with us. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, Andy in Alabama. Andy, you're on with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Uh, appropriate because we met in Alabama in 1990. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great, Sean. I just want to say, you know, first of all, I spent a 30-year career in law enforcement. I'm a second-generation law enforcement officer, and I worked everything from the streets with a municipal agency. I was an elected sheriff, and then I was an executive at the state level. But the first thing I want to say is I want to say law enforcement is an honorable and a noble profession. You know, in the Bible, in Romans 13, 4, it says, For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou doest evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. He is a minister for God, a revenger to execute wrath upon those who do evil. You know, and that, that right there in the Bible, and, and a lot of people will say, well, the sword, you're talking about a weapon, uh, you know, they're going to bear the sword against someone. Well, the, it's translated not really as a sword as a weapon, but the sword is meant to be the law, not a weapon. And therefore, only the lawless in society should fear law enforcement. Uh, there's no way that we can defund law enforcement. You know, most government entities, most legislatures, most city commissions, county commissions only fund law enforcement as a necessary evil now. If you defund the police, you're going to have less enforcement. And we're a nation of laws. Uh, Without law enforcement, there would be anarchy. Anarchy would reign throughout our country because most people are defenseless. Most people cannot defend themselves or their property. They are dependent upon law enforcement. And uh, this this country would be totally unrecognizable. And you know, and, and Speaker Gingrich, uh, I'd love to get his opinion on this also. But you know, the federal All right, let's 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 one one question per person. Hang on, let's get the speaker to respond. Well, look, he's exactly right. I mean, you you can't have civilization without having law and order, and you can't expect people to um, be willing to put up with the kind of criminal predators that increasingly dominate. And I think that's that's what's really frightening. As you know, last week, for example, you had a group of six or seven thugs standing outside of um, a police car taunting the police and saying, come on out and we're going you know, to beat you up, et cetera. You can't have that kind of society uh, because it puts every person uh, is, is then vulnerable to evil people uh, who will use force against you. And I think that that's why the law matters. And frankly, my, my brother was a policeman for a number of years, uh, and uh, he, he felt strongly about protecting his neighbors. He felt strongly about the rule of law. And I think uh, you watch what's going on in some of these places. I mean, you, you, look, you look at Portland, where ev- almost every night there's violence, and they don't seem to have the nerve to lock these people up. Uh, well, you know, in a healthy society, once you figure out somebody wants to uh, burn down a building or wants to uh, cause violence, you get them off the street, and you keep them off the street. Let's go to Channing next in Louisiana with uh, Speaker Newt Gingrich. Uh, hey, Channing, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Mr. Uh, Hannity? I'm good, thank you. Say hi to Speaker Gingrich. Hello. Mr. Gingrich, how are you? Doing great. It's I good have to a hear qu- from you. It's good to hear from you, too. I have a question for the both of you. I want your input on why today's media, social and alphabet news medias, 
why they are always so anti-law enforcement? It's a great question, Mr. Speaker. Well, look, I think they're anti-law enforcement because most of the modern news media are are on the left. Uh, they they in the they really have this feeling that you know everything the police do is wrong, and they start with a bias against the police all the time. Uh, and uh, you'd have a very hard time today rising at the New York Times or the Washington Post if you were pro-police. So I think there's a tremendous amount of social pressure uh, to be anti-police uh, and, until, of course, they need them. And then they're desperately interested in uh, being positive about it. But I think that uh, it is a tragedy for the country that you have people now being taught that they should be anti-police and people being taught that they're clever uh, if they attack the police. And all of that, of course, has led to a dramatic drop in uh, the number of people willing to apply to be policemen because it's both very dangerous and nobody particularly um, is grateful to you uh, unless you're immediately helping them. So, And that becomes a real problem because if you can't recruit good people and you can't train them, then policing is going to get worse, not better. Mr. Speaker, we're going to have to leave it there. We're just out of time. But uh, as always, we appreciate you being with us uh, for the hour. Um, and uh, we'll have you back regularly. Uh, we haven't done this in a long time. It's a great change of pace. Great to have you. Good talk to you. All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Hope you set your DVR. We never, ever want you to miss an episode. We will show you the body cam footage that was released from the Chicago Police Department in the killing of this uh, 13-year-old. And then the unrest in Minneapolis. It's anticipated to continue into tonight if social media in any way is right. So we'll have all of that covered tonight. We'll have the latest tomorrow. Uh, Thanks for being with us. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. You make the show possible. We'll never forget it.